Oh, hello. Welcome to New Narrative's Southeast Asia Dispatches. You might be wondering who's speaking, right? So the thing is, in this episode, we will have our usual host, Bonnie, as the speaker along with Indonesia's country lead, Elena. So this is me, Daniel, New Narrative's video producer, and I'll be host for this particular episode. So how do we start? Um, okay. New Narrative is a movement to democratize democracy in Southeast Asia. And this podcast is one of the ways we attempt to do just that. So how can people who have never had the opportunity to speak directly with candidates or party leaders get their concerns on the agenda? We present to you The Citizen's Agenda. The Citizen's Agenda is a space for citizens to express their concerns and increase their political participation. In general, it is a survey aimed at creating a space for citizens to express their concerns and increase their political participation. Your concerns will then be used to guide our democracy classes and media coverage to create pathways for citizens to engage in politics and help Southeast Asians participate as citizens in their communities more easily. In stage one, we ask people an open-ended question on what they feel are the most important issues facing their country. We then encode their answers and group them into a list of around 20 issues. In stage two, we come back to the people on our public survey and ask them to rank these issues. In stage three, we come up with various articles and explainers to really talk about these important issues and how they intersect with one another. At the time of recording, we've surveyed over 1,400 respondents for stage one and are currently in the process of conducting stage two of the Citizens Agenda Indonesia, also known as Agenda Warga. In the coming months, you'll see a lot of explainers and articles talking about the issues that the people feel are most important for the country. So far, these issues we've gathered in alphabetical order are bureaucratic reform, child protection, climate change and the environment, corruption, digital rights and freedom of expression, disability rights, economic growth and inflation, education, equitable development, gender justice, healthcare, historical transparency and reconciliation, indigenous customary land rights, labor welfare, legal reform, patriotism and nationalism, police and military violence, political awareness and participation, political fairness, poverty and precarity, public infrastructure and urban rights, and finally, tolerance and diversity. Hello, it's very interesting to be not host of this podcast, but I'm looking forward to the conversation. This is Bonnie Bell Rambatan, editorial manager of New Narrative. Bonibel Rambatan has been founding and leading content strategy for various organizations for over a decade. Having worked in fields of journalism, media analysis, and critical theory, their expertise in content production has spanned various industries, novels, film, television, comics, online videos, and podcasts. Hello, everyone. And this is Elena Ekarahendi, Indonesia's country lead of New Narrative. Elena is a design and communication strategist who believes in good design for good deeds. Her creative practices in the last decade have been integrating analytical design thinking with social and political discourses. With expertise in design for social change, she was nominated as 2022's Social Good Design Awards winner by RGD Canada. 
In this episode, we will talk about new narratives, the citizens' agenda, 22 of the most important issues facing Indonesia in 2023, and what we can do about it. So let's get into it. Um, Elena, for starters, could you please explain to the listeners what is the citizens' agenda and uh, what are the stories behind its founding? All right. So hi, everyone. Um, citizens' agenda is our award-winning program that we started back in 2019 prior to the 2020 Singapore general election. And the name of the program itself is exactly what we aim to amplify. It says the agenda of the citizens. Because most of the time throughout Southeast Asia, politicians running the elections or government conducting general elections, they don't actually speak the language of the people. So in Singapore, um, the major political context at the time is the politics of dominance from People Actions Party. So we did the Citizens Agenda back in 2019 and did the coverage for the Singapore 2020 general election to empower citizens and bring their narrative to the political arena. And in 2022, last year, we adopted this approach to address the snap general elections in Malaysia that took place in November 2022. That we could say was the aftermath of the political crisis that started in the Sheraton move in 2020. And we witnessed the political battle between the shift from Barisan Nasional, Pakatan Harapan, and Perikatan Nasional. So it has always been the grand politics and general election has been about elitist battle and left very small room um, to what citizens actually need. So citizens' agenda is the narrative approach to reclaim the space for citizens, for the people really find the outlets of issues that really matter the most to them. So what you're saying is we're trying to um, give a platform for the people to voice their own uh, needs and the issues they care about as opposed to letting um, politicians sort of set the agenda uh, firsthand, right? Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, what it's been like uh, doing this project in Singapore and in Malaysia and maybe some of the successes we've had in the last few years? So in Singapore, we got some of the political parties responded to our results, uh, but the most significant result was not only people joined the democracy classrooms that we conducted during the election, but we saw the voting switch from PAP into the position party in 2020 general election, and it was quite big because um, based on the government's own think tank, IPS um, survey that they conducted after the general election, they found that being politically active was actually the most crucial factor in voters to switch their vote. And in Malaysia, the coverage that we're still doing until today enable us to create more space for the public to discuss more political aspects of their daily life. That's cool. And I think it's really unique that we are trying to sort of um, insert ourselves, or not really ourselves, but provide this platform before there is any sort of, um, you know, elections tend to move in seasons and there's like a down season and up season i think it's very very interesting that we're trying to uh, insert this conversation before the uh i guess before the momentum takes off and so before the conversations all get taken over um so i want to talk a little bit about uh bringing the tca to indonesia and bonnie please uh chime in on this um what's the uh 
timeline like? What are what is it like collaborating, and what is it like uh, for the people who are participating in TCA Indonesia? Yeah, I mean we're we're trying to replicate what we did in Singapore and Malaysia, but um, in Indonesia it's a pretty it's a pretty unique case, also because. Um, not unique. I guess each country is unique, but it's a bit a bit of a different case in Indonesia since we're not really trying to you know uh, comment because we don't have like snap elections or stuff like that. It's, it's pretty set, right, in Indonesia. So, uh, bringing that um, to Indonesia, the timing. You know, we could really prepare the timing a bit better, I suppose, because we are leading up to 2024 elections in February. We know exactly when uh, the elections are going to happen and we're trying to bring in the conversations there. But despite that, the concerns are pretty similar, right? The, the fact that politics, especially like elections themselves, tend to be held up very highly as like proof that a country is democratic. Well, that's not essentially the case. Uh, elections is just one of the, uh, one of the things that is done in democracy, but elections alone is not a clear indicator that a country or a government is democratic. So we want to bring in this conversation as well to uh, to Indonesia in the sense that, hey, this is the discourse that's happening. This is the thing that, you know, political participation goes beyond the ballot box, which is something, a thing that we repeatedly say over and over. And, you know, similar to what we did in Singapore and Malaysia, we want to get to know what are you actually concerned about, right? Because um, not only that politics has been a domain of the elite, but also it's also been very strongly um, tending towards cults of personality, so to speak. Like, you know, like the personalities tend to get highlighted more, the moralities of like, oh, this person's a lot more religious or this person's like young and visionary. This person knows about businesses and the economy and stuff like that. But like, does that really align with the citizens' interests? Like, it's as if a lot of the time we kind of imply that, hey, you know, you're living in this kind of situation with all of the things that you're facing, um, increasing living costs and whatnot, and all of these things. Oh, you know, just elect someone more religious and you'll be fine, right? So that's that's not exactly the case. That's what we want to build a conversation around. So we did um, in the... In the the citizens' agenda in Indonesia, or like agenda warga, as we call it in Bahasa Indonesia, we try to distribute, uh, disseminate surveys and questions, and get people to really answer. And this is what we did in the previous, uh, in the previous agenda warga, previous citizens' agenda um, surveys in other countries as well. We asked them a very open-ended question, like, "Hey, you know, tell us what the issues that concern you most." Right, so we don't give a framework. We don't give like you know options uh, for the for stage one. We just ask a very open ended question, and then we like take the process and do analysis from there. So that way, we really want to get to know what people actually really think about the political situation in Indonesia. Um, and again, as Alina mentioned, also begin to build up this this conversation around politics outside of elections, outside of like ballot boxes, out like they're outside of the realm of the elites. Um, yeah. That's that's really cool. Um, I want to go back to something that you touched on a little bit earlier, which is sort of like the different stages that we conduct. Um, so yeah, can you go into a little bit about um, 
what are the different stages, how do we break down the TCA in Indonesia, and maybe also touch on a little bit of about uh, who are we collaborating with, because I know that there are uh, several publications that we are uh, working in conjunction with to publish some of the research and our findings, and also um, people that we're working together with uh, when we are um, doing some of these like events with the people. So uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Um, yeah, for the Agenda Warga, um, it's quite different from the previous uh, citizens' agenda in Singapore and Malaysia. Um, in Indonesia, we decided to collaborate with the local organization, which is the Conversation Indonesia, particularly on the launch stage when we um, conducted the first democracy classroom in Jakarta, and most particularly on the publications part of um, citizens' agenda, because after we list all the issues and have the survey and have the analysis, we want to create accessible publications where people can have better understanding about the, what the issues are and also not only to see on their personal level and also to see like more uh, bigger picture of it, see the structural issues that happening across the nation. So that's why we are collaborating with the Conversation Indonesia along with our editorial team as well that Boni can also um, give more details on that where we try to um, provide people with empowering knowledge about what's actually happening in Indonesia and to see like how it's quite related to a lot of social political context um, in the country, not only in the context of the elections, but also what has been happening in the past few years and what we can expect after the elections. Uh, Bonnie, do you have anything you want to add to that? Um, no, I think, yeah, I think in general though, um, just building off of what, what Elena has mentioned, we do notice uh, a trend in the citizens' agenda across uh, various countries is that while people are aware of like, I mean, obviously people are experts in their own uh, lived experiences, but also uh, just drawing connections between these, uh, drawing connections between what they're experiencing on a day-to-day -day life and how the interests and the decisions made by the elites like directly affect that and how the flaws are usually very, very structural in nature and how all of these various issues that seem that may seem uh, disparate at first, may seem like completely different, are actually interconnected. Uh, those are the things that we would like to highlight in our explainers. And yeah, we are uh, usually in the previous in the previous iterations in the other countries, we reach out to and commission experts and analysts and uh, or sometimes we just do do analysis uh, in-house ourselves but for Indonesia we are uh, partnering with the conversation Indonesia who who does have uh, a lot of expertise a lot a lot of um, network of experts that have, and also have a have a similar vision to us so yeah hence the hence the collaboration that we are really looking forward to uh, in the coming months um, all right. So you mentioned previously, Bonnie, about how uh, when we gather all the data, all of these uh, seemingly disconnected, disparate issues, they start to form certain patterns that probably show um, the different struggles that uh, people across Southeast Asia, uh, across borders, across nationalities all face. Could you uh, briefly explain what these uh, 22 issues are and what are like uh, some of the insights that we have, perhaps, at this moment? Okay, so, yeah, um, I guess it's it's no surprise that 
across the board, not only in, in the 22 issues in Indonesia, but also in, in Malaysia and Singapore in the previous years, everyone's concerned about the economy and the rising cost of living, right? Because that's, that's something that's directly affecting everyone. That's something, you know, uh, something like very palpable on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, some people are a lot more concerned about, about like, you know, uh, housing and, and stuff, uh, or like jobs and wages in Malaysia and Singapore. Uh, in, in Indonesia, uh, a lot of that translates to equitable development. I think that's the most, uh, that's what's make, that's one of the things that makes Indonesia unique compared to uh, Malaysia and Singapore, obviously because Indonesia has a much wider and much more vast um, population, I suppose, spread across multiple islands um, and multiple provinces, which we did get lots of different responses, by the way. Uh, out of the 38 provinces, we got responses from 36, which is pretty nice. Unfortunately, we didn't get one from East Nusa Tenggara and Papua, although we did get from West Nusa Tenggara and West Papua, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, um, there's a lot of a lot of concerns about equitable development, and there are also, um, again, uh, not so surprising access to healthcare, access to education, um, wages again, and then like job security. Those things become very uh, prominent, very apparent uh, in in our surveys. Surprisingly, there isn't really, or maybe not so surprisingly, there isn't exactly any kind of like pronounced differences in the responses of various uh, people for in, in the different demographics that we that we interview that that we that we survey across all of these uh, across all of these provinces right so just just to give you an idea I suppose we did um, well okay most of the uh, most of the the bulk of the responses unfortunately still, uh, is still concentrated in Java, but we did get around out of the fourteen hundred or so responses. Three hundred and twenty are located from outside of Java, so um, yeah, this isn't within our control. Unfortunately, we would love to have gone more responses there, but yeah, the the statistics and stuff like that. There's there hasn't exactly been uh, lots of responses that we received. We opened it up, we asked them, but like not a lot of responses coming from outside of Java. Uh, we did get uh, responses from people as young as 18 and as old as 70 um, from a various range of genders as well. Um, but yeah, um, I'm, I might be losing our <laughs> train of thought here, train of conversation, but I guess I guess that's like the uh, an interesting thing. Um, as you mentioned, all of these disparate issues in Indonesia, coming from various kinds of demographics, but also really tied to, very strongly tied to lived experiences in terms of the economy. And then of course that leads to, you know, political decisions. Although I must say that not a lot of people are aware that um, certain, you know, okay, so I talked previously about making connections between the between the different issues that they're actually one issue, but also the, it's it's also not less important. It's also just as important to to identify what people might be thinking of as one issue or like an issue and their solution, 
as like separate issues. Like for example, corruption. That's that's the easiest thing. Like a lot of people mention corruption in conjunction with punishment. A lot of people think that the the best way to solve corruption is by punishing them more severely. We got some responses that are horrifically violent in their description of what what we should what they feel the government should do to those who are corrupt, right? But then we have a whole culture of corruption. Like, what do you mean when you say corruption? We have all of, all of these things that we need to really be careful of. Like, is it really the case that when when we increase the punishment for um, for corruption, then we decrease corruption? Is that is that really the case? Like, do we need to examine more uh, of of these things thoroughly? Like, another example is um, we did get a response regarding. Uh, Islamic extremism and terrorism, but then they they kind of like tie that into NKRI, which is like national unity. But then if you think NKRI and terrorism are really just one one thing, like everything that that goes against the national unity has to be you know has to be terrorist. Then what do you make of the people? Who are struggling for their self own for their own self determination? Who feel like they've been oppressed by the Indonesian government? Do we call them terrorists? I mean, obviously that that has to be lots of nuances there, right? So these are the the things that that we've observed in the in the first stage that we need to be a lot more um, analytical about, a lot more critical about. Um, so yeah, those are I guess the the initial findings and the initial uh, the the uniqueness of what we found. Elle, do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, no, I think I've already, already summarized it like pretty well. Uh, although that I think the most interesting part is also the internal discussions that we've been having within the new narrative team, not only the initiative team, but also the entire narrative team, because at the very beginning, um, we were having some kind of hesitation. Oh, should we just um, distribute the survey to our networks? But then we also thought that, oh, perhaps we also need to really distribute it to wider audience, to people who might not knew new narrative before or people who are not been part of any activism before. That's why we work with this survey company called Face.ai. And the result was like um, surprising in a sense that apparently that's where we receive a lot of like new ones where somewhat quite opposite of what we believe in and it's okay in the sense that this is actually the reality of Indonesia right now right democracy it's quite I mean democracy it's quite noisy in a way that people are having very opposite political spectrum so even though they mentioned one issue, um, we receive people, we receive responses that are in a total different spectrum. Especially when we talk about LGBT, some people talk about okay, we should like fight for the rights or for the queer people, for women. But at the same time, people also mention about LGBT as the threat to the nation. So that's part of the a lot of attention that we kind of have um, challenges during the analysis process of the stage one the same thing with the um yeah about nationalism and how people perceive the reality that they have in terms of um the difficulty to access decent living might tie to other part that oh it might be like affecting from some morality or some religious threat so it's just interesting to see like how diverse the responses that we have and also because that Indonesia is quite huge and we have a very 
very very huge demographic um, our geography is quite big and culturally we also like quite diverse so it's somewhat can be quite challenging to really mention that okay this is the national issue but the most issues that we receive um, at least the 22 issues that we've received it's something that we somewhat have anticipated based on our observation of what has been going on uh, on the ground, what people have been protest protesting about, but also unfortunately because un we are unable to have respondents from all provinces, we kind of like the kind of outreach to the eastern part of Indonesia. But somehow we also see that those issues are addressed and it's also like happening throughout the archipelago, but this is a very first step where we can see, okay, this is the umbrella issue about um, um, economy, about cost of living. But hopefully that in the upcoming stages, in the publications, also in the democracy classroom stages, we can hear more, like a more detailed um, situation of what's happening, not only from people who are in Jakarta, but also part of Indonesia. Also because, again, what Esboni what said that the issues cannot stand alone. They are actually interconnected with each other and it might be like a multi-dimensional struggle for some people, for some respondents, and that's something that we want to find out and try to build conversations on in the upcoming stages of Citizens' Agenda. Uh, yeah, thanks for that, Elle. Uh, I think uh, there was a lot of good insights there and I think, at least me personally, I do share a lot of the sentiment with um, decentering Java, I guess, from conversations we have about Indonesia and welcoming more diversity and more nuances from the various regions and the uh, various uh, marginalized groups that we have here in Indonesia. Um, I'd like to go a little bit into uh, what uh, Bonnie said previously about we do have a big uh, diversity of issues with a lot of uh, nuance and can you talk a little bit about the maybe the analytical framework that we apply when we approach these different issues and um, yeah uh, when we approach and we look at these issues what sort of lens are we using yeah okay uh, thank you Daniel I'm glad you asked this question um, and I guess this also follows up to what Elena was saying about um, the wide spectrum of responses and especially around queer issues um, LGBT issues, gender, and stuff like that. Um, because it's like, you know, I guess one of the paradoxes of democracy in general is that when you listen to the voices of all people, there will ultimately be voices coming up that insist that you should not listen to voices of other people, right? So. Democracy itself, when you don't conduct it uh, properly, can very easily lead to uh, fascism, authoritarianism, and all of these other kinds of extreme movements. Because we are, um, you know, dedicated into platforming as and or at least listening to as many of these voices as possible. So ultimately, you would get those kinds of nuances, which is reflected in in the uh, in the survey survey results that we conducted. So. Um, this is also the reason that we did, um, you know, one of the one of the other projects outside of the citizens' agenda that we're doing in Unarrative is called the Principles of Democracy, or more specifically, the Principles of Southeast Asian Democracy. Uh, it is um, 
PJ Thom, the founder and managing director of, of New Narrative, uh, is spearheading that project. And it's essentially a list of 12 principles of democracy um, in general, but also more specifically in, in Southeast Asia, which in observation, we can really tell that you know we need to observe all of these 12 principles so that we don't get all of these kinds of paradoxes, right? That's why I feel like um, applying this framework more specifically allows us to really build a conversation around democracy and also give us a critical critical mindset, critical view on why certain things uh, need to be listened or need to be paid attention to more than others and also identify which voices might just be a little bit problematic to platform. You know, obviously, I mean, it's it's like... Um, so okay, let's let's just go ahead and take the uh, take the anti LGBT issues that have been coming up, at least in like one percent of the responses, uh, which is over a dozen responses. It's already a, a little bit, um, you know, it's not as big as what we might expect it to uh, to be, but it's still quite big, right? Like over a dozen is still quite um, big in in terms in terms of these uh, surveys. So um, one might argue that. Oh, we need, you know, you're conducting democracy, so all voices must be valid and we need to platform these. We need to be um, quote unquote objective in the sense that, hey, if the people want to um, eradicate LGBT, then it's a democracy. We must, um, we must also take into account what the people want, right? But that's not exactly the case because when we observe democracy through a more thorough, more holistic lens, then that would lead to the tyranny of the majority by um, not only encroaching upon, but also actively destroying minority rights and minority voices. So that goes against the principle of democracy. And, that, and having this framework in mind, we can easily say that we can acknowledge that we have received, we have been receiving these kinds of responses, but we can also say that, hey, we are receiving responses that go against the principles of democracy. So we are positioning ourselves for democracy and therefore we hesitate to platform or like we go against the platforming of these hateful or like bigoted voices. So that's the kind of thing that we're doing. We kind of like, um, it's not exactly, um, yeah, Obviously, people might might come back and say, "Hey, but you're cherry picking. You're cherry picking um, responses that align with your ideology and stuff like that. You're not objective." But you know what? It's from the very beginning we are already acknowledging that we cannot be objective. That we are not objective. We are subjective in the interests of marginalized people in Southeast Asia, in the interests of building a more holistic and you know, participatory and like inclusive democracy in, in the region. So yeah, that's the general framework that we go with. Okay, yeah, that's, um, I really like that very nuanced approach of not just being, uh, you know, uh, centering the voices of the people because they matter, but not just prioritizing horizontality for the sake of horizontality, but also, you know, protecting uh, marginalized groups. And I think this approach also ensures that everyone's voice is protected. And I think this is also a very, very nuanced approach. It also, um, you know, allows us to protect against, you know, outside, maybe even elite interests from also maybe 
penetrating uh, the movement or this sort of uh, initiative. Uh, Elena, this next question is uh, for you. Uh, you were there when we first uh, conducted TCA Singapore and also TCA Malaysia. Um, so now as we start running uh, TCA Indonesia or Agenda Warga, as we call it, uh, what are the differences that we're seeing? And maybe uh, what are the uh, lessons from the last few rounds of the Citizens Agenda that you think we can uh, carry on to the uh, Indonesian implementation of it? Yeah, I think like the major difference was the scale. <laughs> I mean, we say that the citizens' agenda of Singapore was a success. It was quite impactful. But if we look at like Singapore on the map compared to Indonesia, Singapore is actually more than 2,000 times smaller from Indonesia. So it's really quite challenging to having... It's not an apple to apple apple to apple to measure the parameter of impact and also the outreach. So um, when we started the Agenda Warga, like Citizens Agenda Indonesia, we recognized that, oh, our benchmark of impact was Singapore, but we cannot really adopt it 100% to the Indonesia context. Um, The same with Malaysia as well, because in terms of geographic, uh, the cultural diversity and also the political context and the government system that are quite different. So it's really uh, a lot of things that we need to tailor. But then we recognize we also want to have the citizens' agenda approach as our methods to understand Southeast Asia as a region as well. So even though we did some adjustment to Agenda Warga, we try to make sure that it's still like making the result and the methods are still comparable to other countries. But um, another thing is also because in Singapore um, and Malaysia, we focus a lot on the elections due to the social and political context of those two countries. Uh, But then in Indonesia, we decided that our approach, like our measurement of impact should be beyond elections, especially if we look at the social and political context in Indonesia Related to the last elections that we have since 2012, um, we were actually like quite observed with the euphoria of having a, like a civilian with no military background to bring our issues as part of their like work plan for Indonesia. And apparently it turned like quite a concerning polarizations, especially during the 2019. So it was quite, it was quite like concerning to really like to put everything in one basket of elections for civic empowerment. And we also see like in 2012 and also 2019 elections, like all the progress and the results of the election have been like worsening the horizontal cracks between the civil society. So the main difference and also the lesson learned that we can see that in Indonesia, like in, this, in Agenda Warga, our focus of empowerment is to really address the citizens' agenda beyond the ballot box. We can see, like, we can bring, okay, here are the issues that are quite important that all politicians that are competing and running for 2024 need to address, but also we need to hear that not to repeat what repeat the mistakes that civil society had in 2012 and 2019, not just saying, oh, our issues are being brought to the presidential palace or being brought or people running to the office. But then we still like 
going back in the same circles of a lot of discriminations, a lot of, a lot of a human rights violation. So that's the lesson learned that yes, we bring this to the politicians to listen to our issues, but the focus of our work for citizens agenda right now is to really build the power for our community, for the people. So the participation can go beyond the ballot box. All right. Uh, thank you for your answers. I think those are like very, very insightful. And again, uh, I think um, it touches back again to what we were saying previously about, you know, making a movement that is not only sustainable, but is also has some sort of structure that protects it against uh, elite infiltration, like you said previously. I think that's really, really good. Um, Bonnie, this next question is for you. Uh, you mentioned previously about the different ways that um, the issues in Indonesia are also the same with issues uh, amongst the citizens of Singapore and Malaysia. Um, so I guess the... Uh, Sorry, let me repeat that. Uh, <clears throat> uh, knowing all of these issues that we share, what's the next step that we can take that uh, emphasizes maybe a regional solidarity? What can we, uh, how can we approach these issues from the perspective of, uh, I guess, uh, uniting the citizens of Southeast Asia, especially now that we know all these different issues are connected and all these different issues are shared across borders and across nationalities. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's always been a challenge, isn't it? Because like, um, it's one thing to academically, or I guess like expert-wise, quote-unquote, to realize, oh, hey, look at these various different issues that take their separate you know, uh, forms and manifestations across uh, various different countries in Southeast Asia. They all stem from uh, these kinds of patterns and structural issues and stuff like that. And obviously, in, in your narrative, we've been observing this for quite a while. I mean, that's one of the backgrounds of why uh, New Narrative is a regional movement, like attempts to build uh, regional solidarity and regional movements. It's because we realize that Southeast Asia has a very unique history in terms of like, its history of colonialism, uh, how it's been, how it was built, literally built, and like the borders have been drawn by all of the various, um, col- yeah, it's it's colonial history uh, from all of the various countries. Um, but on the other hand, knowing this does not automatically translate to the citizens themselves or like the residents of Southeast Asia being in the know of these commonalities and building uh, solidarity movements, right? Because um, we mentioned this on all, also in our stage one report is that the war in Ukraine got mentioned, like the Russian occupation of Ukraine got mentioned explicitly as one of the issues in in uh, in Indonesia, which is like, huh, yeah, I guess it does like half its effects, but it's not that big. But on the other hand, the you know the military coup in Myanmar did not get mentioned, right? So all of these other crises in in like in Southeast Asia, um, migration, displacement, and all of these things like in our very neighboring countries, or even in in Indonesia, all of these conflicts in um, conflicts in Papua, for example, did not get explicitly mentioned as a thing to be concerned about. Although, um, um, again. Speaking of nuances, like, you know, separatist, quote-unquote, separatist movement, quote-unquote, movements that 
threaten the national unity did get mentioned, but like the awareness of all of these movements, like why are they happening and they are happening across Southeast Asia, those kinds of, um, the kind of regional context, the kind of like similarities and commonalities that we have across Southeast Asia, those tend to not get highlighted as much. And I don't think people here realize that. I mean, there's lots of noise about you know the the more the more recent conflicts in the Gaza Strip, for example, uh, Israel and and Palestine and and all of those things. But then there isn't exactly a lot of protests outside of the, you know, regarding. Um, I wonder if you if if some of our listeners might know this, but like three um, three na- uh, three state-owned corporations in Indonesia have been supplying arms and weaponry to the military junta in Myanmar to oppress their people and that's like whoa you know that's a big deal and it's like we should make more noise about that why aren't we making more noise about that right so I guess the next step if you if you're if you're going to ask uh, ask me that and ask I guess a lot of us here are, are on the same page is to draw all of these connections that hey did you know that what you're experiencing on a day-to-day basis are also being experienced by all of these various different uh, people across Southeast Asia. Um, that all of these issues are again interconnected, and um, yeah, if if like so, what can you do, right? What what do we do to fix the economy? That's like something, uh, that's something gigantic. But also when we realize that demanding, uh, making more noise uh, across social media, across your peers, across your discussion groups. Uh, when we start having these conversations and you know, having people be aware of these issues and that they directly relate to politics instead of politics being um, competitions of cults of personalities, instead of uh, politics being this terrain of like who is the best or like who is the better leader, who is the more moralistic leader or, or, or stuff like that, then I think we can begin to draw all of these various kinds of connections. Again, this is like much easier said than done, but that um, fostering these kinds of discussions, I feel, would be, uh, would, would be the next steps. Because again, um, the discussions that we've been holding, I guess, Elena, uh, you might want to talk more about this uh, after, after this, but like the discussions that we've been holding and like, our anniversary events or our um, offline discussions, our online discussions even, they all have to do with, with these kinds of, like how do we build a better future? How do we build a more uh, gentler future for, for ourselves? And again, these kinds of things are connected and solidarity isn't just for, yeah, you know what, let's build, let's just make a whole Southeast Asian wide movement and take to the streets and just protest and everything else. Um, that has its place, obviously that has its, its uses across history that's been proven uh, proven to make an impact time and time again. But before that happens, even building conversations across borders or across provinces or across all these different groups of people in Indonesia and across Southeast Asia, I feel that that's what we need, you know? That's uh, the, how people can feel like, oh, so there are actually other people listening to us. There are other people having these kinds of um, experiences and I could actually talk to them and we are experiencing the same thing so what do we do together you know it's not I think it's it's wrong to pretend to have the answers 
but to ask the right questions, to know that other people are asking the same questions. I think that's what we need to do. Um, yeah, thanks, Bonnie, for those insights into just, um, I guess, getting more people to participate in more diverse ways and uh, getting different communities involved and also um, connecting different communities, I guess, from different Southeast Asian uh, backgrounds together. Um, Elena, I want to ask you, um, uh, what do you think then are uh, the ways that uh, the audience and the listeners of this podcast can uh, sort of participate in this process and maybe even what are the different ways that they can get the people around them, the communities that they live in to participate in this process and hopefully through this also like create lasting change? Yeah, I think like the very first start that we need to take is to demystify the concept of political participation to really unlearn and shift the limited grandiose acts into more liberated and granular ones because I believe that in a healthy democratic society that every single person must be an activist. So every profession, like not only politicians, not only NGO workers should have access to an enabling environment where everyone can be actively participating in shaping their future. So yeah, because I think it's quite, it's getting more obvious by days that representative politics are never sufficient and elections are never enough. And while we see that general elections can be very significant momentum for any country, but in Indonesia context, I think it's already time for wake up, for us to wake up from our daydream to realize that relying on politicians alone will never change our life. Because politics is all about power dynamics and power dynamics happen every minute. So the effort to challenge the dominant power should never take place only every five years. Every day political year is not just like every five years, it's, it should be like every day. So it should be like exercise on daily basis. So we can start from our home, like from your classroom, from your office, with your family, with your friends, um, with your neighbor. So because I think that to say that you're not into politics is a very strong political statement. And especially because every day is our political battleground, especially when you're part of the minority or marginalized groups. So even though that we say that, oh, I don't want, I'm not into politics, but the so-called politics will always be into us and they won't knock at our door. They will just like barge into your home, to your family and take things that you love and taking away your rights. So I think that what we need to do is really to build space to exercise democracy in a very, very small practices and to reclaim the politics from the elites. So we can really start with a very, very small um, examples. That's what we're trying to build with Citizens Agenda. We try to ask like, you don't have to put your shoes as like, uh, activists like because everyone should be an activist even though you're not working for NGO even though you're not running for office but we need to start talking about daily struggles our micro politics and those are mentioned in our results at least in the stage one people talking about um, poverty people talking about not getting enough job not not having enough access to the healthcare. it's all a very basic human rights to access decent living and not only just start 
the conversations around them, but also to look at them through critical perspective. That's something that also we want to build with not only with Agenda Warga, but also like all the programs in Unarative to really democratize on how we build democratic participation, uh, not only in the context of the country, not only in Indonesia or specific country, but also like trying to see how it's related with the neighboring country. Because a lot of the governments, at least in Southeast Asia, they learn each other on how to oppress the people. So we like the citizens, all the people, the residents, even those people who are living in, in the Southeast Asia region with citizenship, we should really try to look through cross the borders as well to really try to reclaim the politics from the elite. So I think that can be like one of many ways to start creating the change. Yeah, thank you so much, Elle. I think um, certainly seeing a lot of like patterns here about not just uh, reaching across uh, borders to others, our Southeast Asian neighbors, but also, uh, you know, uh, demystifying politics as something that only a certain special class, whether they're elite politicians or only, you know, certain activists do. I think it's a very important part of the process of getting everyone to participate and everyone getting everyone to realize that, you know, uh, politics is something that will, you know, impact you whether you like it or not. So you might as well participate. Um yeah, thank you so much, L. Thank you so much, Bonnie. I think this uh, wraps up our discussion. Uh, so thank you very much for showing up today. Thank you so much, Daniel. It's been a pleasure. And that wraps up our discussion with Bonnie Bell Rambatan and Elena Ekarahendi. To find out more about the Citizens Agenda Indonesia and how you can participate, go to newnarrative.com slash agendawarga. That's newnarrative.com slash agendawarga. All one word. As I mentioned earlier, we will commission and produce analytical, actionable, and relevant information for citizens to understand why political actions, stance, and power are all necessary to ordinary citizens, focusing on top issues from our research as the pivots. We will also use the findings and resources to activate and empower citizens. We will build spaces to facilitate discussions and imagination on issues we've analyzed and elaborated from stage one through three. Join our democracy classrooms, a space for empowerment, hope, and engagement to strengthen civil society during the general election of 2024 and beyond. Stay tuned for our events that we will be conducting at the end of this month and throughout the end of 2023. My name is Daniel Anugra, and this has been Southeast Asia Dispatches, brought to you by New Narrative and produced by Danya Yudo.